welcome, welcome to, to Earworms. Worms. I'm your co-host Keegan. And I'm your co-host Mimi. And this, and this is a podcast <laughs> for the things that you just can't seem to get out of your head. This week, <laughs> this week we have uh, some fun topics, topics ahead of us. This week we both got a haircut. Um, we also I, started school. <laughs> yes, it's it's been a good first week. I feel good about my classes. I recently changed my major. Keegan changed his. Um, and we'll see how many more times we say that during the length of this podcast. Yep. <laughs> yep. But it's good. It's all good. Uh, but with that, who's going first this week? Me or you? I'll go first. You go first. Okay, I'm ready. Teach me. What? Take me away. What's your earworm? If you had to describe yourself with, let's say, three words or a few activities, what would you describe yourself with? Me? Yes. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Stop. And that is my earworm for no. today. <laughs> no. <laughs> you took it before I could. Oh, Why no. hadn't you done it before? We play it every week at least uh, two to three times. That's true. I'm a dummy. Dang it. All right, take us away. <laughs> Teach me about Dungeons and Dragons. So oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I was trying to like go into the creation of Dungeons and Dragons, and really it's not that interesting. Um, but basically, Dungeons and Dragons was created in um, 1972, and the people who created the game are called Gabe... Gary Gyax. Gary Gygax, you uh, monster. <laughs> Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I'm giving an essay in your fact checking. <laughs> I've only been a nerd my whole life. <laughs> and so D&D began with a game called Chainmail. Um, and it was a simulation of medieval combat. And at the end of that game, there was a 14-page little booklet kind of describing the rules of fantasy. Um, And in those rules, that's kind of like when the words like magic swords, monsters, and spells like lightning and fireball kind of came to be. Um, Have you heard of Chainmail before? Vaguely, yes, because I am kind of aware of the origin of Gary Gygax starting Dungeons & Dragons, but I don't know what the game is actually like in comparison to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, all right. Um, so they, okay, yeah, it was Gary Gygax. Okay. And so when Dave Arneson read like the chainmail fantasy rules, he adapted that into like a little world of his own called Blackmore. And that was a setting inspired by the Lord of the Rings universe, mm-hmm. um, along with Dave's own imagination and his own mechanics have you heard of the blackmore games yes those ones i have because those are kind of like the inspiration for like you said like it was based on like lord of the Rings stuff and that's kind of like where the D beyond setting kind of emerged from eventually would be that world <laughs> more or less yeah yeah, and so in the fall of 1972, Dave Arneson drove to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is wild to think that D&D would come from Wisconsin, you yeah. know, all the states. Like, I would have sworn it'd be California or Jersey or New York, but nope, we got Wisconsin. Wisconsin. There's not much to do. <laughs> There's just cheese out there. <laughs> okay, I'm glad it was cheese. I was about to say they only had corn, but I felt like that was the wrong state, so good thing. Yeah, um, well, they got cheese and beer. That's what Wisconsin's known for. Oh, okay. Where are my cheeseheads at? What's up, cheeseheads? 
And so Dave showed his game um, to Gary Gygax. And Gary was super blown by the game. And he wanted all the rules from Dave. And he mailed him 18 handwritten pages of the game. I love all my friends. (laughs) But if they sent me an 18-page game that they wrote themselves, I would read to page 5. And that would be it. I would not dealing with 18 yeah. pages. So are you saying you haven't read the player's handbook? I have not. Oh my All the goodness. Way, I have read what I need to when I need to. Oh, so. okay. Making sense. I'm piecing it together now. <laughs> <laughs> what? And, <laughs> and so Gary Gygax was like, 18 pages was isn't enough. He's kind of like, um... The song in Hamilton that's like, and Hamilton wrote all the other 51. How many can running out of time? That yeah. Song. <laughs> and um, he just kept writing more and more rules. And he kept writing more and more rules. So his friend gave him 18 pages and he expanded that to 50 pages. <laughs> Doubled it and then some. Yeah. And it was initially named um, Castle Greyhawk. Um, and then Gary and Dave fully put their ideas into a full book made it a full game and called it dungeons and dragons yeah and now we're nerds and we can be nerds in space (laughs) and dungeons and dragons is currently owned by wizards of the coast but when they first Mm -hmm. created the game so gary gygax had to publish the book himself um and so he made like his own little publishing thing called tsr tactical study rules inc to publish D&D, and they sold... How many copies do you think they sold in the first month? The f- in the first month? The yeah. first edition? Yep. Probably less than 100. I would guess maybe 75, being generous. Like, just like random bookstores buying it is what I'm thinking. So the very first month, the they sold 150 copies. Okay, um, not bad. <laughs> and so when summer hit, they ordered 1,000 more, and so whenever the game first came out, it was really hard to find... Um, and it costed $10, which at that time was a lot of money for a board game. So, like, yeah. it was harder. Why would I do that when I can just go get some jacks and play jacks? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that's kind of, like, the story of D&D. There's a little bit more to it, but it's just kind of talking about, like, how it ended up going into Wizards of the Coast and things like that. Um, D&D has had to face its own kind of trials, in a sense, um, for example, there was like the satanic panic that happened a couple years yep. ago when people were like, D&D is associated with the devil, even though it's just a role play game where you can be whatever you want. But it was that idea of a game where anything can happen so long as you allow it that kind of gave people the people are going to worship the devil feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is a good game. We love playing it. Um, I've been playing it for a couple years now. Um, and the fun thing about this is one of the reasons we love it is because we can start a game right now, and then as long as we stay in contact with our friends, end it in 10 years if we wanted to. Yeah. Like, it's a truly timeless game, or you can do things that literally just take two hours. Yeah. And we do kind of like a nice mix of both with just our friends and stuff we've tried recording in the past. Uh, but I think recently we're liking the more shorter story type games where it only where like you can get in and get out in two hours and be done with the whole story i think it's nice yeah <laughs> well that was an excellent earworm you brought to us <laughs> I it. Uh, <laughs> um but i have something to talk about now it's oh. my turn and my turn starts with this so the new school year has started and one of my favorite classes i'm currently taking is a 
non-Western Yes, it is Polynesian Humanities. It is a non-Western Humanities class that I'm taking, and this semester they happen to be offering it on Polynesian culture, religion, lore, mythology, etc., etc. Everything Polynesian-related we're studying in a semester, which is a lot, but also not a lot because the Maori people and other Polynesian people didn't really have a written language, so it's all just word-of-mouth knowledge (laughs) that's been passed down from forever ago. But the thing I want to talk about today is about a specific bird found in New Zealand. Kiwis. They are related to kiwis, so let's build this off of the bird. What are some characteristics of kiwis? Because these are found in a bunch of... Flightless. Flightless is the main thing. That's exactly right. They do have wings. They're just flightless. Oh, I thought kiwis didn't have wings. They're just round. Oh. (laughs) Um, But they do. Uh, Yes. So this bird is known as a moa. And there were believed nine species of this bird known as a moa. And they are all now extinct flightless birds that resided solely in New Zealand. And so New Zealand was unique of like a bunch of birds arrived there on those islands and then adapted and grew to be flightless over time, just naturally, right? Because they didn't really have predators to worry about. They would just defend their nests by like kicking and stuff like that. Like we saw a little bit in Cobra Kai recently. Oh, we recently finished Cobra Kai. We loved it. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Yes, but um, the moa is a very interesting bird. You've seen like an homage to it at least i don't think you've seen a real one because they are extinct and have been do you remember in up yeah that's the one with the balloons right that's the pixar movie with balloons yes it's such a sad movie in up there is a bird by the name of kevin yeah he's tall he's blue and super colorful and he goes yes (laughs) that is a modern rendition of probably what the the moa looked like um and moa is a polynesian term for domestic fowl and what this means is the maori people were living on the islands of new zealand for a long time before um english uh or european settlers made contact with them and when they met them they found these gigantic skeletal remains with like bite marks and stuff on them and they were like what is this what is this giant bird skeleton you guys have and they're like oh that's a moa and they're like what do you mean a moa and they're like you know a moa it's a <laughs> it's, it's a, just a moa it's, it's a bird it was a big chicken and it tastes delicious <laughs> um and that's kind of like the extent of what we actually know about the moa was they were gigantic birds that as far as we can tell when the Maori people first arrived in New Zealand, uh, they uh, saw these giant birds that were basically like huge, o- bigger than ostrich-sized chickens, and they hunted them to extinction within 100 years. <gasps> because... <No>! <laughs> but the main thing that this happened is because they didn't realize that they weren't like little birds, because little birds, they lay eggs all the time. The big birds, the moa. They like ostriches. They will play like two eggs a year. Yeah, they only lay like one egg a year. No. So, <laughs> so before they didn't have any natural predators besides like these huge eagles that live in New this Zealand. This is the bad place. It is the bad place. And then they showed up, the humans showed up and were like, ooh, that's a giant chicken that can't ver- run very fast. We're going to eat that. <laughs> and they just ate it to extinction, which is both sad, but also like kind of cool. Do you think it was yummy? Oh, I bet it was delicious. <laughs> like, I feel bad for asking them that, but, like, 
I want to know how good this bird tasted. <laughs> it had to have tasted pretty decent, I would imagine. Um, there was speculation that between the se- southern and northern island, there was probably some differences between the species that lived there. You know, like, there were nine total. It's like, there's like, you know, like the finches and the Galapagos, how they all like changed a little yeah. bit. That was like... Or like the moths whenever there was pollution. Yes. Yeah, exactly like that. Just evolution. They changed ever so slightly from each other to better fit their environments. You're looking up Kevin from... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's good. Because I just have a slight fact check after you. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll share it now. So maybe it was the shape that, the, that inspired like the bird Kevin of the MOA. But actually Kevin was based off of a different type of bird called a Himalayan mono pheasant hmm. and they're beautiful they i'm looking at pictures right now they are literally colored as the rainbow they're iridescent um and it's a bird that's not endangered thank goodness so it's not extinct um but sorry continue your fact yeah um i was just going to show you a cool thing that was discovered recently so in a cave near te anua in 1980 they found a preserved mega paradox foot which is like the, the name of one of these specimens but like they found one of their feet with the flesh still on it, like well preserved. Oh, that's a thick foot. That's a big foot. Oh. It's is pretty scary. Um, you can look up a image of it, and then it's preserved in the Nat- Natural History Museum. Um, but yeah, as far as we could tell, they were just very huge birds that were <laughs> probably uh, semi intimidating, but like weren't really a threat to humans or anything, and they just got eaten. To extinction because they tasted good. So, (laughs) uh, do we wish they were around? Probably. Is it cool that, like, the Maori people just helped hunt them to extinction? Not really. But is it cool that, like, they hunted them simply because they tasted good? Yeah. I think if there's a reason to to make something go extinct, let's not have it be pollution or something. Let's just have it be, ooh, boy, these taste good. (laughs) Let's preface this. Keegan and I do love animals, and we do want to work in conservation work, which is the irony that we both just said that. Um, No animal should have to go extinct due to human interference um but i guess it slightly justifies it that it tastes yummy but it's it's also messed up okay we're not poachers we don't want animals to go extinct we're not those people i just Mm -hmm. needed to clarify that before we apply for a job one day and they listen to this episode where keegan says yeah if an animal has to go extinct i hope it's because it was tasty (laughs) yeah well i think this the whole story of of these birds just shows that like Humans are apex predators who go into whatever area and just take over everything, kind of, for their own purposes, which is cool and also terrifying that we can just change an ecosystem so drastically. But that was kind of it for my earworm this week. Anything else you got to say, love? Uh, No, that's it. Um, Super happy to be back recording earworms. Uh, The semester's starting, so our schedule might even be a little bit more chaotic. But Earworm makes us happy, so hopefully we'll be able to produce schedule um, episodes on a normal schedule. Yep. And until next time, from all of us here to you guys, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.